welcome back to another episode of Search, Ponder, and Pray, um, podcast where we strive to study the scriptures um, and following the schedule that's provided by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and the Come Follow Me uh, schedule, and where we strive to apply the gospel to our daily lives and apply the scriptures to our lives and to grow and become more devoted uh, disciples to the Lord. Um, to get started, uh, I hope that you all had a wonderful weekend, that you all had a um, a good chance to worship the Lord on Sunday, and that you had a, a, a wonderful time to partake of the sacrament. Um, for those of you who live in the, in the United States, I hope that you had a wonderful Memorial Day. To anyone that may be a veteran uh, who is listening, uh, I thank you for your service and hope that um, all is well with you. All right, so moving on. Today, or this week, I should say, is a pretty heavy week. I mean, I feel like I say that all the time, that it's a pretty heavy week, but they seem to just be getting heavier and heavier, to be honest with you, which should be expected because we're getting closer and closer to, um, we're getting getting, uh, closer and closer to the final days of Jesus in the New Testament. Um, and this time today, we're going to be in Matthew 26, Matthew chapter 26. And this, um, this chapter actually has its own entire section in the New, New Testament student manual. So yeah, like I said, there's a lot here. So let's jump in. Let's say a prayer. Let's say a prayer and ask the Lord to help us with this. And we will get on our way to some serious, um, discussions about the Lord and Savior. Our dear Heavenly Father, we are so very grateful for this day. We thank Thee for our health and our strength. We thank Thee for the safety that we've had. We thank Thee for the many blessings that Thou dost pour out upon us each and every day. We ask Thee, dear Lord, to please be with us as we study these scriptures now. Let our hearts and minds be open to Thy Spirit, that we might be able to see the truths that lie therein. Help us to find the path that we may that we may find the salvation and exaltation that thou hast laid out for us and be able to be worthy servants at the same time. Forgive us of our sins, Father, for we know that we are weak. Help us to shun the worldly appetites that do so easily beset us. Help us to be more devoted disciples unto thee, Father. We pray for these things ever so humbly in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, so let's jump right into it. I have no idea how far we're going to get, but we're going to, just like last week, we're going to do what we can, and we'll see where we go. All right, so Matthew chapter 26, we're going to start in verse 1. And it came to pass, when Jesus had finished all these sayings, he said unto his disciples, Ye know that after two days is the feast of the Passover, and the Son of Man is betrayed to be crucified. Then assembled together the chief priests and scribes and the elders of the people, unto the palace of the high priest, who was called Caiaphas, and consulted that they might take Jesus subtly, excuse me, and kill him. But they said, Not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar among the people. All right. So, these men are secretly trying to kill Jesus. In the New Testament student manual, it says, As the feast of Passover approached, the Savior knew that his betrayal and crucifixion were near. He prophesied to his disciples that these things would occur during the feast time. The chief priests and scribes gathered together at the palace of Caiaphas, the high priest, 
who consulted on how they could take Jesus and kill him without creating an uproar among the people. The chief priests and elders represented the the religious and lay leadership of the great Jerusalem Sanhedrin. They knew that many people admired Jesus Christ, and they were concerned that if they tried to take Jesus when there were so many pilgrims in Jerusalem for the holidays, there would be riots. All right, so once again, we see that these, these religious leaders, who should be more concerned with what is true. And this is one thing that I found myself struggling with over the past week, over the past weekend especially. Am I more concerned about what people think about me and what people might say or might do because of what I've said, or am I more concerned about speaking the truth? Now, obviously there are ways to say to speak truth. And you don't simply go around and tell people truths that may not be timely. The Savior is very particular in how he gives out truths. Sometimes he will simply avoid topics. Sometimes he will take time to bring things to their fruition so that the timing can be right. But if the timing is right and you have been prompted by the Spirit and you say it, are you then going back and rehashing it over and over again? Or are you putting your faith in the Lord and saying, it's up to him now? I was just the messenger. I brought the message. I'm done with my message. It's one thing I've had to fight with a little bit over the past weekend. All right. Um, Now, verse 6. Now, when Jesus was in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, there came unto him a woman, having an alabaster box of very precious ointment, and poured it on his head as he sat at meat. But when his disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, To what purpose is this waste? For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. When Jesus understood it, he said unto them, Why trouble ye the woman? For she hath wrought a good work upon me. For ye have the poor always with you, but but, but me ye have not always. For in that she hath poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this, that this woman hath done, be told for a memorial of her. Now, we're told in the New Testament manual that we can see, we can find some more comments on that later on. But I do want to stop and talk about this a little bit. It feels very important. There's a touching moment that, yes, this oil could have been taken. It could have been taken and sold and used to feed some poor. It could have been taken and put to a different use. But in this moment, this woman is doing the best thing that she knows how to worship the Savior. Is it perfect? Probably not. Is it exactly the way it should be? Probably not. And of course, the Savior does say, yes, it could have been sold. It could, have, it could be better. It could be different. But don't berate a person who is striving with their heart to worship the Lord. They might not do it the way we do it. They might not do it the, with the same words, the same actions. And yes, things don't need to be corrected because God's house is a house of order. 
But true worship should never be discouraged. True, heartfelt worship of the Lord. That is something precious. This childlike faith, this childlike longing to love the Lord with all of our being. To give everything. Part of me wonders if that isn't part of what is meant by speaking ill of the Lord's anointed. Obviously part of it is the Lord will deal with his called servants in his own way. We don't need to be involved in that. But I think on top of that is if we see someone who is worshipping, worshipping righteously, are we... Are we mocking, or are we being helpful? All right, in verse 14. Then one of the twelve called Judas Iscariot, uh, sorry, then one of the twelve called Judas Iscariot went unto the chief priests and said unto them, What will ye give me? And I will deliver him unto you. And they covenanted with him for thirty pieces of silver. And from that time he sought opportunity to betray him. I'm not sure exactly if this falls in if this whole chapter is chronologically accurate. It might be, and it probably is. But regardless of the chronology of this chapter, we see here that Judas Iscariot went to the chief priests at some point in time. And once he made this deal with the chief priests to betray the Lord, he sought from that time the opportunity to betray him. That was the constant thing in his mind, going over and over. In the New Testament student manual, it says, The chief priest covenanted to pay Judas Iscariot 30 pieces of silver to betray Christ, Jesus Christ into their hands. This sum fulfilled the prophecy of Zechariah. If you think good, give me my price. So they weighed for my pr price 30 pieces of silver. That's in Zechariah 11.12. According to the law of Moses, 30 shekels of silver would compensate an owner for the death of a slave. Thus, in addition to fulfilling prophecy, the betrayal price reflects the low regard Judas and the chief priests had for the Savior. No one is ordained to do evil. Judas chose to betray the Savior. The Joseph Smith translation explains that one reason for Judas' betrayal was the doctrine the Savior taught. It says, Nevertheless, Judas Iscariot, even one of the twelve, went unto the chief priest to betray Jesus unto them, for he turned away from him and was offended because of his words. How utterly heartbreaking. Later, and we'll get to this later, but the disciples have to, have to come to a point when the Christ tells them that one of you will betray me. And they must each look into their hearts and say, Lord, is it I? This is a discussion that has obviously been, obviously been talked about quite a, quite a deal. But I greatly appreciate the fact that it says, no one is foreordained to do evil. 
we talk often about the nature of man. Well, are, are men inherently good or are men inherently evil? It's a tricky question. I think the spirit of man is inherently good. The body of man is inherently evil. And we're constantly at war with ourselves as to which we inherently are, which has the forefront, which takes the lead. No one is foreordained to do evil. And I'm sure that we could say, well, if some, well, someone had to do it. Someone had to, betray the, someone had to betray the Lord. Did they? That doesn't sound like a God I know. To require one person to condemn themselves to eternal damnation so that his plan will work. I think there was ways. But Judas made a choice. Something the Lord said irked him. And irked him enough that he thought, yes, you know what? I think these people are right. And I think I'll be the hero. I'll be the hero who stops this man from continuing to poison the populace. And he threw away all of the spiritual experiences, all of the testimony that he had gained up to that point. And from that time, he sought opportunity to betray him. <sighs> Brothers and sisters, let us not be offended. By the truth. Certainly people say things, and certainly things are said in and out of church by members of the church and not members of the and non-members of the church, who they say things that may or may not be true, that may or may not be offensive. But we were given our agency, a precious and vital gift. We were given our agency, and if we choose to be offended, then we place that dagger in our own hearts. We don't have to let that take hold. Judas, in this moment of weakness, could have said, Oh, well, the Savior has said something that I don't agree with. But am I, am, I, am I wrong? Do I truly have a testimony that he is the savior of the world? Because if he is the savior of the world, then oughtn't I, ought I not to change? Do we think we know better? Or are we humble? meek, submissive, as a child doth submit to his father. Are we willing to submit to the will of the Lord? It's not easy. It, it probably won't ever be easy. And for some of us, it comes harder than for others, I think. We have that rebellious nature in us. We want to do things our own way. 
But if we will cast off that natural man, we can be freed from the trials. Not, uh, not from the trials, but maybe from the meaningless sorrow that fills our world. You look around today and you see the meaningless sorrow, the pain that doesn't have to be endured. And the pain that does have to be endured, but doesn't have to be endured meaninglessly. If only they knew why the world was the way it is. Suddenly we can round our shoulders to the burden and carry our cross. If we will keep God at the forefront, if we will keep our eye single to the glory of God, if we're striving for our own benefit, for our own profit, for our own gain, and we suffer, that very well could be meaningless suffering. Does the Lord not say it is hard for thee to, hit, to kick against the pricks? We don't have to. We don't have to fight the Lord. If we will align ourselves with him, we will find the peace and the joy and the power that he promises to us. I am looking forward the coming stories that we read as we continue on through Matthew 26. I testify that this gospel is true, and I testify and plead with you, please study this out on your own, that you might gain a testimony of it yourself. And if you already have a testimony, that that testimony might be deepened. I testify that as you do so, it will. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.